Coincidence, uh, I have popped out for lunch after recording this episode and uh, op- and I'm waiting for someone to come and I've just opened today's age to page 3, uh, February the 5th, to 2020 and um, the headline is Court Slams Tennis if I read no further, that'd be pretty funny. Um, court slams Tennis Australia over treatment. And, um, all right, by Georgie Gardner. Uh, Margaret Court has hit out at Tennis Australia, claiming she has been discriminated, you know, same-sex marriage, uh, labelling the way she was treated at the Australian Open as very sad, you know. Um, okay. Um, but Tennis Australia says she was given the VIP treatment. Well, that's not a response to Margaret Court's complaint to say that she has been given the VIP treatment. Uh, Vercingetrix, you know, who I've spoken about before, um, who uh, was the king of Avaricum in Gaul in ancient Rome, um, he was given the VIP treatment in Rome just because, just before they killed him. You know, the Romans liked to do that. They liked to give you a wonderful last meal to, to let you know, you know, to, to prove that they were civilised and then kill you. OK, on with the episode. The greatest tennis player in history, in terms of Grand Slams 1, has a surname court and uh, I think she's wonderful Margaret Court bitch (laughs) if you don't know is arguably history's greatest tennis player John McEnroe, he's a great tennis player too. Well, he was. He probably still is. Um, now, as it turns out, Margaret Court is also a hardline Christian preacher. Um, and a bitch. No, sorry, I'll stop saying that. Um, and... Um, also, who, um, and also is, from what I've heard, a tireless helper of people in need. You know, she does a lot of good in the community, apparently. Yeah. But at the same time, um, you know, being a Bible basher, uh, she is against gay marriage and all that sort of stuff. You know? Same-sex marriage. And because of that, John McEnroe, also a great tennis player, is campaigning to have her name taken off the Margaret Court Arena here in Melbourne, stripped down with an axe, preferably, and for Yvonne Gullivong's name to go up instead. It it should be the Yvonne 
Goolagong Arena, says John McEnroe. And Martina never all over, but she's not involved in this uh, episode. Um, right. So, um, now here's the funny thing. This, this episode doesn't have an opinion on any of that. It couldn't care less. You know, is Margaret Court devastated to have John McEnroe turn on her like that? This episode doesn't care. Um, are young LGBTI people uh, devastated to have an icon like Margaret Court calling them freaks? Well, this episode episode doesn't care about that either. That's probably a problem, you know. But I'll just yeah, over to you, young people. You know, you're you know, I'm, I'm on the verge of saying something brutal, but you know, you're always going to have someone. Yeah, like if I was an African American, for example, I know that there's always going to be people, influential people, saying racist things and all that sort of stuff, and you know. It's my choice, you know, do I commit suicide or do I just tell them to get stuffed, you know? Something like that, you know. Anyway, I don't care about all that in this episode. That's not my business, you know. Um, actually, this um, whole podcast is a bit like that, you know. And from time to time, I've almost... I've wondered why I'm opting out of having an opinion, a political opinion on anything, you know. You'll you'll have heard that if you listen to if you're an idiot and you've listened to all my episodes. You know, from time to time, I say, I um, I don't have a political opinion. You know, on racism or LGBTI or whatever human rights. You know, anything. Um, or you know, on the fact that uh, Meryl Streep, for example. Seems to be into every worthy cause in the world except the wealth gap in America because she's rich. Yeah, she doesn't campaign for that one. Um, yeah, and I've wondered why. What am What am I up to? You know, and I think what I'm up to is. Do you remember back at school we had debates? Of course, you know everyone remembers that. Um, but one kid had to be the moderator. You know, sometimes the teacher might be. Um. But, you know, essentially one kid had to be the moderator. You know? And if you were picked to be the moderator, uh, the debate itself might be about something you are very, you were very passionate about. Uh, let's say animal rights, you know. You, know, you might be, a, you know, and the debate topic might be, you know, oh, since coronavirus is in the air, um, the debate might be, uh, do people have a right to eat bats? You know, there's your topic, and you, as you've, you know, you're the moderator, you've got to shut up and not have an opinion, not express an opinion. You know, you might have an opinion, but not express an opinion. Um, now, in the world of social media, especially these days, uh, we do have the debate. Yeah. We have the debate on steroids. Yeah. A billion people yelling at another billion people yeah, and shouting, everyone shouting their opinions at each other. 
not enough moderators, I think. You know, and you know, like, probably you should join in and be the billion and first shouter. You know, but I just get this gut feeling, and I could be wrong, that the world needs a few people to drop out and not express a political opinion. And you know, that's me in this podcast, at least. Um, and am I being bad for doing that? You know, take a side. You know, well. Why do school debates have a moderator? Why don't they just have half the school on one side and the other half and everyone yell at each other? For some reason, people in the past, you know, in the days when we used to do proper debating, people in the past thought that having a moderator was a good idea and I won't get into why that is. You know, I have a gut feeling why that is, but I won't get into that. And I reckon the world could do with a whole class of people, you know, like um, a cast of people who will agree, you know, given that the, de- the deba- that debate in the world, in public discourse in the world, is not lacking in people putting their hands up to actually engage in the debate. You know, um, it's covered, you know. One side of the debate is covered, and so is the other side of the debate. We don't need any more debaters, you know. Um, there, there'll be a flaw in my logic here, you know. Maybe uh, the flaw in my logic here is that we need, the world needs more love, you know. And all I'm doing here is talking logic, you know. Where's your love, <laughs> Charlie? <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, actually, I I don't. You know. Um. I think I'm going to be a moderator from now on. I'm going to give myself that job. Actually, I think that was my plan all along since this podcast started. You know, that I will be the moderator. You know, the self-appointed. You know. Highly wise moderator in world debate, and this podcast exists. Yeah, is standoffish. Is hovering above the world debate. You know, Charlie, the moderator. You know, oh, that's got a nice ring to it. Um, that was my, yeah, that was my cunning uh, plan. That was my cunning and wise plan from the start of this podcast. You know, I thought of that way back then, but I've only just voiced it now. You know, one hundred and forty episodes in, but. You know, trust me. I was thinking this all along. <laughs> we humans, we we know how to lie like that. We humans. Yeah. Anyway, um, so I'm a moderator now. I might call myself the fat moderator. That's got a nice ring to it. I'm not actually fat, um, but I think I'll pretend I'm fat because, you know. The the whole online world is a pretend world. I'm pretending I'm Charlie, you know. That's not even my real name, you know. That's Baldust, you know. I've, I made that up. I make everything up. Um, but uh, I should pretend. I think I will be fat online. I'm going to be a fat podcaster, you know. That's it, the fat podcaster, you know. That's got to, you know people feel more comfortable uh, listening to fat 
podcasters than fit podcasters. So I'm going to be a fat podcaster. I like it. And uh, yeah, the fat moderator is probably what I really want to be, but I, I don't think I'm qualified, so I'll just call myself the fat podcaster. Was there something in Julius, Shakespeare's Julius Caesar where Julius Caesar said that he... Did he say, Saram, surround me you know, with fat people. You know, they're never up to anything. You know. um, keep thin people away from me, you know. Hey, Brutus, you're thin. <laughs> oh, but I trust you. You're my son. <laughs> okay, um, so that's that. And what was I talking about? Uh, John McEnroe. And... Um, Margaret Court, a bitch, you know. Um, and John McEnroe hates Margaret Court's guts, I think. Um, so, now, as it turns out, last night I was talking about all this stuff. And um, I wasn't fresh last night. I'm fresh now. I wasn't, you know... I wasn't fresh last night. It was midnight and I was all tired. But I, it just popped into my head, this argument between, well, John McEnroe and Margaret Court. I don't think it's a two-way argument. I, don't, I think Margaret Court didn't see it coming, you know. John McEnroe just started attacking her and she didn't see it coming. She should have. You know, you know, no one likes a Bible basher, you know. Um, and I didn't actually sort of care, you know, she was expressing how hurt she was and all that. I didn't care about that, you know. Um, but one thing did sort of stand out for me, you know, as she spoke. Um, well, I was reading what she spoke, you know, and it was this, you know. Um, she said, or did she say, or did someone else say, um, that um, John McEnroe had accused her of not having her own brain to think with, you know, that as a Bible basher, uh, she had no power to think. She was just parroting what the Bible was saying, you know, and that, and that presumably he, John McEnroe, is able to think for himself. Well, now that, that bit, you know, I put a red flag against that comment. That's the only thing that interested me in the whole sort of fracas between McEnroe and Court, I don't care about the actual debate, you know, uh, but I do care about the process of the debate, you know. Um, and as a moderator, you know, as I, as I, I read, you know, because I'll go past tense because I was talking about it last time, as I read that comment by John McEnroe, that, you know, people who, Bible people aren't, thinking they're being, you know, they're, he called them marionettes, no puppets, no um, something, I forget, um, uh, you know, ventriloquist dolls. He called them ventriloquist dolls because uh, they are coming from, you know, they have the Bible as their uh, premise, their starting premise for their thinking you know, and then they think with that locked in as a given, you know, the Bible locked in as a given, 
That's their premise, their starting premise. Their found, the foundation for their thinking is how I put it last night. You know? And he was accusing of her of having a locked down foundation for her thinking being you know, the contents of the Bible. You know? But last night I was arguing, and you know, there may be flaws in my argument, that hasn't he... John McEnroe also got a locked down foundation for his thinking too, you know, uh, that being that he is taking a leap of faith in trusting his senses. I've discussed that in previous episode. There's a leap of faith involved in science even, you know. Um, you know where Margaret Court is saying that she will base her thinking on the premise that the Bible is true or correct or whatever. Um, and, you know, and, and, and that she won't doubt what the Bible is telling her as being true. John McEnroe, is he doing anything that different, you know? Or is he too having a leap in faith by... Um, accepting that the his senses are um, there's a leap of faith involved in him trusting and depending upon his own senses, which could be faulty. You know, the Bible could be faulty. I happen to think it is, you know, for my purposes, you know. But where I part ways with John McEnroe, John McEnroe seems to love his own senses too much. He trusts them too much as a good foundation for true and good thinking. You know, his senses being his sight. You know, Evidence-based, we call that, you know. Evidence-based against what our senses are telling us is what that's about. He thinks they are more valid what his senses he thinks that what his senses are telling him are necessarily more valid yeah than what the bible is telling margaret court yeah. now i happen to be on the same page with john McEnroe, and i prefer to trust trust my senses and my you know powers of logic and all that sort of stuff um I trust them as my uh, guiding light, you know. But where I, uh, you know, just like John McEnroe trusts those as his guiding light and Margaret Court trusts the Bible as her guiding light, okay. But where I differ from John McEnroe is that I think I'm humble enough, is that the right word, um, to be aware that I'm still following a star, a guiding light. You know, that being the validity, the um, accuracy of my senses and powers of logic, you know, I'm still following a star like the three wise men in the Bible. You know, um, I, I have just what I've done is I've locked in my senses and my powers of logic as being um, to be trusted as a foundation for my thinking. How am I to know that my senses are that accurate? You know? And how am I to know that my powers of logic are that accurate? Am I really that smart? 
Well, for my part, I say I'm not, you know. Um, and uh, John McEnroe, I think, is prepared to say that for his part, he is confident that his senses and powers of logic are superior to um, the Bible's powers you know, as a guiding light for thinking, as a foundation for thinking, you know, something like that. Um, obviously, everything I'm saying here has got nothing to do with human rights. It's to do with process of thinking. Um, yeah. Again, I'm, all I'm talking about is whether that comment by John McEnroe is valid. Yeah. The process. He, he's talking about she's not thinking clearly, is what she's saying. He's saying. He, he's sort of saying she's not thinking clearly and I am thinking clearly. I think that's what he's saying. Um, now, I, um, I don't think he should be... He should be I, I, I think that's an invalid thing for him to be claiming that she's not thinking properly and that he is thinking properly. That lacks humility, in my opinion. Um, but that's a, comp- a different thing completely from a different discussion we could have in another episode as to whether she's thinking nicely compared to him. Well, I think he's thinking a lot more nicely and caringly, you know, towards people with LGBTI, who are LGBTI especially. Yes, totally agree. Um, Her, she's a bitch from my perspective too, if I had that hat on, you know, in a different episode. Um, she's um, being horrible to uh, people with LGBTIQ, you know. She's being horrible. Um, what she's thinking is horrible, you know. And what John McEnroe is thinking, I think it's quite nice. Yeah. But he wasn't thinking, he wasn't attacking what she was thinking with that comment. He was attacking how she was thinking. And on that, I disagree with John McEnroe. I think that how she is thinking in life is not all that different from how John McEnroe is thinking. They are just all, the only difference is they're using different leaps of faith. Um, Margaret Court is taking a leap of faith and... Um, and locking in the Bible as an accurate and good foundation for her thinking. And John McEnroe is locking in the powers of his senses, his own senses, his sight, his hearing, um, his smelling, and his, um, his ability to use logic in his brain, you know, his senses. He's locking them in as a good and accurate and reliable um, starting points, foundation for his thinking. I think they're doing roughly the same thing. And I think that one comment by John McEnroe was invalid. And that's the only thing this episode's about. It's not even about LGBT or anything.
John McEnroe versus Margaret Court. And Margaret Court, a tennis player, preacher, a biblical preacher. John McEnroe, tennis player, and uh, for the purposes of this episode, a secularist, and quite likely someone who um, is into evidence-based thinking, Uh, the scientific method, all that sort of stuff, you know. Someone like me, really, John McEnroe. John McEnroe, yes. Um, And Margaret Court, preacher. Okay, now, uh, Margaret Court is on the nose at the moment. Um, You know, probably about 40 years ago, she held a set of views and would have been roundly applauded for those views by Australia generally. Uh, One of those views is that uh, a marriage should be between a man and a woman, you know, and children should have a mother and father, unless fate gets in the way, yeah. Okay. And she didn't change one little bit over the ensuing 40 years. But Australia changed and now she's on the nose without having, having done a thing, you know. She just stuck to her values and, and now she's hated by a lot of people. All right, for obvious reasons. Okay, um, so that's that. Now, there is a tennis court named after Margaret Court, arguably uh, the greatest ever tennis player, if the greatest ever tennis player wasn't Rod Laver. But we've got a tennis arena named after Margaret Court and a tennis arena named after Rod Laver. Rod is not on the nose, so he's of no interest to an episode like this. We like controversy. Um, so Margaret Court has got a tennis arena named after her. Now John McEnroe pulled a stunt at the Open this year and walked onto centre court with a sign that said, you know, that that instructed we Australians to pull down Margaret Court's name from that tennis court and put up Yvonne Goolagong's name. I like Yvonne Goolagong. Okay. So that's that. And he got, he might have got fined for that, you know, he pulled a stunt. Okay, so that's that. Uh, And Margaret Court responded to 
that's stunt today. Um, and as part of that response, she said she was surprised because she thought that she and John McEnroe got along well, but via that stunt, she found out uh, that she was wrong and via comments from John McEnroe since, she has more than found out, more than found out she's wrong. Um, and, you know, at one stage, John McEnroe has said, you know, I think very recently, that, you know, um, having, you know, um, sort of, uh, what was it? Um, oh, Margaret Court is just a ventriloquist doll. Uh, for the Bible, you know, the Bible is speaking through uh, Margaret Court as if she was a mere ventriloquist doll. You know, not thinking is what he's getting at. No brain, you know, not thinking. So he's really sticking the boot in. Um, okay. I couldn't care less, you know. I am, um, I, it'd be so tedious and predictable if I was going to come down on one side or the other, you know, that's for social media to do that, you know. John McEnroe's right, you know. Um, Margaret Court's right, you bastard. <laughs> no, you know, John McEnroe's right, you know. Right, let's meet in person. Okay, yes, we will, you know. This is how they do things on social media. Two women did that recently. They were having a fight online. They didn't even know each other uh, about coronavirus, all things. And they agreed to meet these two women. And there was a punch up. And um, I think both of them have been charged. So that could happen on social media between uh, people who are on John McEnroe's side and think that Margaret Court is atrocious um, for thinking, for believing that a marriage should be, to, should be between a man and a woman, you know, and that children should have both a mother and a father unless fate intervenes. Um, you know, or, um, sorry, it's, it's very late at night, so if, if my brain suddenly switches off, you know, um, just imagine I'm as stupid as, uh, Margaret Court, you know, what was I saying? Yes, yeah, so some, you know, there might be one person on Margaret Court's side and one person on John McEnroe's side, you know, and they could say, right, let's meet outside Margaret Court Arena and have this out, you know, and they go down there and kill each other, you know. That's for social media. It'd be a bit dull and predictable if I, on this podcast, were to come down on one side or the other. And you might say, you should have an opinion, you know. Um, have an opinion, Charlie. Um, to which I would say, no, I don't want to. I don't have to. You're opting out, Charlie. Yeah, whatever, I don't care. <laughs> I'm not here to... Um, impress you, <laughs> or do what you say. I'm here to, um, I'm here to uh, talk about whatever I want to talk about. And what I want to talk about is a certain comment uh, 
um, that John McEnroe made and, um, and focus in on that and completely ignore the debate. Yeah, I really don't care. Yeah. Um, I don't care if I hurt Margaret Court's feelings. I don't care if I hurt, um, you know, some uh, couple who is getting married and they are both the same gender or sex or whatever it is. I don't care if they cry either. You know, I don't care if anyone cries. I'm only here for my own amusement. I'm not here to make people happy. Now, on to... Um, uh, on to uh, the comment by John McEnroe and the comment by Jan, John McEnroe that I want to focus on, I've already mentioned, is uh, the accusation by John McEnroe is that Margaret Court is nothing but a ventriloquist doll for the Bible. What on earth is that? I know what it is. It's our reverse cycle um, evaporative cooler on the roof. Sometimes it dumps all its water on our roof. We've got a tin roof. I like that in rain. But that seems a bit more than normal. That actually sounds like it's burst a pipe. I think, and it's nearly midnight, I'm going to have to hop up on the roof. I'll finish this episode, then I'll do that. Okay. That's definitely a problem. All right, so... Yeah, I disagree with John McEnroe there. Um, I think uh, we all, you know, think, you know, I don't think Margaret Court's doing anything much different from what John McEnroe's doing. Uh, what we all do when we think, when we're thinking, you know, um, is we have a starting premise the rules for our thinking. You know, we, we, we agree to some rule, some boundaries of uh, thinking, um, and then we make sense of our world sticking tightly to those rules. You know? Now, John McEnroe and I, you know, we tend to uh, to say to ourselves, well, this, our starting premise, you know, before we start making sense of the world, for, before the, of the world, our starting premise is that we are going to lock it in as factual, you know, nigh on factual, that um, our senses are a good uh, are the avenue via which we want to understand our universe so um so uh we will deem it factual or true even if you like 
that if our eyes and our ears and our sense of smell and our sense of touch and our sense of logic um, tell us something, uh, we will call that evidence that we can use uh, to arrive at an understanding of our universe, you know. So the rules of our game, the game we play in understanding our universe, the rules of the game are that we are going to trust our senses and pretty much ignore our intuition, you know, except when our, in, except when our in, you know, we will use our intuition to make some hypotheses and guess what our senses might tell us if we do certain experiments and all that sort of stuff. But bottom line, we're going to trust our, trust our senses and not trust our intuition, you know. All right, so that's, there's a game we're playing there and there's a starting premise. Um, but the game is, is, um, is based on the, on the, premise, the premise being true. And we do all our thinking, you know. We, John McEnroe and I, I'm pretty certain John McEnroe is pretty much the same as me. All our thinking for all our lives is grounded in the idea that our senses are a good measure for what we might want to call fact in this universe and uh, and that uh, trusting our senses uh, is the rule via which we will do our thinking, you know, that sort of thing, you know. Now, as it turns out, Margaret Court, you know, she might well play that game too, but she's also playing another game in which, you know, um, she says, all right, yes, okay, that's your game. You want to trust your senses. I'm going to trust the Bible. And then um, that will be my starting premise. Now, you had a starting premise, you know, and, um, and you know, Descartes, the great philosopher, has said, uh, you know, did demonstrate that you can't be sure that your senses are um, are not tricking you, you know. So, um, yeah, in the same way that you might say that me having a starting premise that the Bible is a good way to, st- a good set of rules via which I can do my thinking, um, yeah. In the same way that you can say, gee, you shouldn't be trusting the Bible. You know, I could easily say, well, you shouldn't be trusting your senses uh, any more than I should be trusting, shouldn't be trusting the Bible. Yeah. And uh, people are a bit chauvinistic and they say, oh, don't be stupid. You know, senses are much more reliable than the Bible. You know, but Margaret Court said, are you quite sure of that? You know, she might say, are you quite sure of that? Um, uh, 
point is, in each case, whether you're John McEnroe um, or Margaret Court, um, in each in each case, um, you are starting with a premise you can't prove to be true. In the case of John McEnroe, you can't prove that your senses aren't drink, aren't lying to you and tricking you as to what how the universe ticks, you know, as to what in true independent truth is, you know, universal truth is, you can't prove that your senses aren't tricking you. And in the same way that, you know, Margaret Court can't prove that the Bible's not tricking her. Uh, now, I happen to pretty much be on John McEnroe's side in terms of which starting premise I like the best. You know. um, however, fundamentally, I can't say uh, that I'm playing a different game from Margaret Court. Um, you know, we're both playing a game of what do you trust as your starting premise, you know. What is your foundation? What is the foundation for your thinking? Um, you know, and I say the foundation for my thinking is you know, my senses and my sense of logic. Um, and she says, well, my starting foundation is the Bible. You know, and I'll do my thinking. I'll build my thinking on top of that foundation. And you build your thinking on top of your foundation. I will take the Bible and then build my thinking on top of that foundation. You take your senses and you build your thinking on top of that foundation. Are we really playing two different games? You know, am I really, might argue, Margaret Court, any more of a ventriloquist than you are? How do you know? How do you know that some wicked demon? as uh, Descartes put it, isn't telling yours, isn't, uh, isn't um, telling your senses what to tell you, you know, tricking you basically, you know. So there you go. So I just put a circle around that one comment by um, John McEnroe in which he accused um, Margaret Court of being a ventriloquist, just parroting the Bible. And I said to myself, you know, he's being a bit chauvinist there. He thinks he's doing something different by trusting his senses. Uh, but he really is, uh, when, he's look, when he says that everything he believes in is evidence-based, he really is just parroting uh, what his senses are telling him and accepting that, blindly accepting that as factual. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, probably that's what he's doing. I don't think that fundamentally John McEnroe is playing a different game from uh, Margaret Court, the preacher. John McEnroe, the secularist. Secularist. is not playing 
is, I think, not playing a fundamentally different game from my record. And, and while I'm not on Margaret Court's side, um, and while I happen to think, I happen to like John McEnroe's uh, foundation, I want to build my, think, my house of thinking on the same foundation that John McEnroe wants to think, uh, build his house of thinking on, um, while I choose the same foundation that John McEnroe chooses, uh, I'm different from him in as much as I don't disrespect uh, other people if they build their house of thinking on a different foundation, given that my foundation is no more provable as being correct and true than, you know, for example, Margaret Court's foundation. That sort of thing. Now, as to... Now, this is just, you know... um, This has nothing to do with what the results of that thinking bring up. I'm just saying Margaret Court's way of thinking is as valid as, well, mine and John McEnroe's. Her methodology, her thinking methodology, is no more ventriloquist than... John McEnroe's and mine, arguably. Uh, now, if she, now, as a result of that thinking, if she ends up uh, coming up with what you might call horrible ideas, well, that's a completely separate point, you know, and is not covered um, within the scope of this episode. I'm not talking about who's a better person. I'm talking about who's doing the more correct thinking, and I don't think anyone's doing the more correct thinking. Margaret Court's got her way of thinking. John McEnroe's got his way of thinking. John McEnroe's way of thinking is pretty much in alignment with my way of thinking, and um, and that's that. And so as far as I can tell, I spent ages, twenty-two minutes, saying that I could have re, I could have easily said that in five minutes. Uh, but it's nearly midnight and I'm tired. Um, so I've taken 22 minutes instead. 23 now. Good night.